On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, Model 3 remains on track and Tesla lays out specific production goals for the car for the rest of the year. Plus, Model 3 design studio news and much, much more from this week's Q1 earnings call. Howdy fellow Tesla enthusiasts, my name is Ryan McCaffrey and this is Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast. It's episode number 82 for February 26th, 2017. And as you can tell, my voice is back. <laughs> I am very grateful to have my voice back. Boy, it took it was out for a good three days and it took a probably five for it to come all the way back. But in any case, uh, it's, uh, it's a good week. It's a good, good timing for it to come back because it is a very, very busy week. Of Tesla news. In fact, I want to get right into it because I've got uh, a bunch of fantastic little clips from Elon uh, and Jason from the conference call. Jason Wheeler, the now outgoing CFO, as we'll talk about in a second. But yes, Tesla had their uh, Q1 2017 earnings call, which also doubled as the full fiscal year 2016 results call. And in fact, I'll start by sharing with you just a couple of quick nuggets from the shareholder letter that was posted and sent out. Uh, and they're both Model 3 related. These are sort of the big highlights. In there they say, quote, Our Model 3 program is on track to start limited vehicle production in July and to steadily ramp production to exceed 5,000 vehicles per week at some point in the fourth quarter and 10,000 vehicles per week at some point in 2018. So they're careful not to make any specifics there, but that's, boy, if they could get to that, you know, even if it's just the last couple weeks of the year that they're, they ramp to 5,000, that would be mighty impressive considering, you know, Fremont now does about uh, 2,000 cars a week right now. So that would be quite impressive. Another note from the shareholder letter, in early February, we began building Model 3 prototypes as part of our ongoing testing of the vehicle design and manufacturing processes. Initial crash test results have been positive, and all Model 3-related sourcing is on plan to support the start of production in July. Installation of Model 3 manufacturing equipment is underway in Fremont and at Gigafactory 1, where in January we began production of battery cells for energy storage products, which have the same form factor as the cells that will be used in Model 3, that being the 2170 cell. So those are the two key highlights, I feel, from the shareholder letter, shareholder letter pardon me, both very positive, very encouraging for Model 3 reservation holders who, uh, who, you know, those of us that are eagerly awaiting our Model 3s. Now let's get into the call itself, which Jason Wheeler was on, the CFO, along with Elon Musk. Uh, and they started by actually addressing the fact that Jason Wheeler will be leaving Tesla to pursue an opportunity in public policy, which he said is something he's been uh, really wanting to do for a long, long time. Uh, Deepak Ahuja, if I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that okay, uh, Deepak will be returning. He's, the, he's a former CFO. He, he, he uh, was Jason's predecessor. So uh, let's hear from Elon and Jason on that. Uh, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> but first of all, I'd like to um, 
announced that um, our CFO, Jason Miller, has decided to leave Tesla uh, in, in April, so at the end of next month, uh, to pursue opportunities in public policy. Uh, Jason will be replaced by Deepak Kahuja, who is Tesla's uh, first CFO and worked for the company for more than seven years before stepping away in 2015. Uh, Deepak will formally take over CFO in early March and uh, with Jason remaining at Tesla through April to ensure a smooth transition. Um, and uh, let's see, Jason, would you like to say anything? Yeah, sure. First, Elon, you know, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a great ride, and I'm really going to miss working with all the wonderful people at Tesla. This is an A team, and you know, when I walked in the door, I was very passionate about the mission of the company, and today I'm even more passionate than I was in the day I walked in. Um, and I think it's also important to say that you know I'm, I'm looking to scratch an itch that I've had for many, many years now. Uh, I'm going to go do something in the public sector, uh, but I wouldn't have felt comfortable about leaving if we didn't have a really good plug-and-play solution in place for the company. And I think with Deepak's history here on the verge of bankruptcy and everything that he's gone through, uh, he's well positioned to take it. Long time ago. Long time ago. <laughs> long, long time ago. He, he's well positioned to, to take it to the next level of growth. And I've spent a, a good amount of time with him in the past week, and he's super energized and ready to go. Um, he's a great leader, and I think uh, I would test him today. All right. Well, and, and Jason, th thank you again for everything you've done. This is interesting. I mean, it, it seems like Elon Musk likes working with people he knows. Like, they're, they're sure things or known quantities, I suppose. Because remember, this isn't the first time that a, that a high-ranking Tesla executive has come back to the company. The former VP of Global Communications, Ricardo Reyes, who uh, he, may, he was, I think, one of the original employees and had been there for a while. He left and had, and had come back before and has since left again. But uh, yeah, he's so Deepak, another example of a returning executive to the Tesla fold. I suspect, yeah, Elon just doesn't have time to to deal with an unknown quantity of a new person. So uh, best wishes to Jason Wheeler and uh, welcome back to Deepak on that. This next part here, this next clip, Elon was asked if he, uh, with with the sort of current administration's possible push towards Mars to see, you know, see if they would accelerate the, the space race and get, get the country of America back to Mars. Would Elon take that opportunity to really double down on SpaceX and leave Tesla? So uh, it's always good to hear Elon say that he's not going to be leaving. So here is Elon Musk saying he's not leaving Tesla. You know, as I said before, um, I, I expect to remain with Tesla essentially, you know, for, forever, um, unless somebody kicks me out. Uh, so uh, that that remains my intention, um, and uh, I've been pursuing the sort of Mars thing at SpaceX um, and sustainable energy uh, at uh, Tesla for for a long time uh, simultaneously. Um, so I think we've got into a pretty good rhythm, um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't think, I, I certainly don't think I'm going to change my actions as a result of, um, uh, you know, uh, an, an initiative by the administration, um, although I think a Mars initiative would be amazing um, and really energize um, the, the, the public uh, Domestically and 
and worldwide, just as the uh, the, the Apollo mission to the moon uh, did uh, almost half a century ago. Uh, so that's um, yeah, that's like probably the most I can say. Yeah. Now I'm no Wall Street guru, but. I would have to think that if the day ever comes that Elon steps down as the CEO of Tesla, that it's going to be real bad news for Tesla stock. I mean, he is such a singular figure, such a, a visionary, a brilliant mind, uh, just a, a, you know, a once in a generation kind of, kind of talent that uh, it would not be, it would not inspire a lot of investor and shareholder confidence if Elon were ever not there. But, but looking at it from a bigger picture, it's, as I said, it, it's really good to hear him reaffirm that he always wants to be involved with the company because the, the company really, Tesla would never be the same without Elon. Uh, I mean, I will say just considering this, this thought all the way through, you know, sort of, the, all right, what, what if? If he did leave, I would feel most comfortable with J.B. Straubel taking over. He is, of course, the uh, chief technology officer and the fellow co-founder of Tesla. He, he would be the one that I would want to see take, take the helm and step in if, uh, if Elon were ever not the CEO anymore. But, but hopefully Elon will always be running the company because, so, you know, like I said, there, there's just nowhere to go but down from one of the most brilliant minds in the world. But yeah, good to hear Elon just say again, hey, I'll always be here. Next, uh, Elon and Jason were asked about, uh, oh, this is actually uh, John McNeil, the service manager, a- answers this one. Asked, they were asked about insurance and would Tesla, because of the autopilot safety rates that have already been established and, and reaffirmed by the, uh, the government, would Tesla ever provide their own insurance? Now, as soon as I heard this, I, you know, flash back to, to what we knew from what months ago, and those of you who've been listening know the Tesla is already doing that. In I believe it's Hong Kong and one, or, I think Australia, I believe as well. They're they're they are providing insurance, uh, in elective insurance for as an option for uh, for Tesla owners. And here is John McNeil, in fact, sharing that exact thing. But this is it's interesting to hear them address this. John, do you want to take that? Hey, Adam, it's John. Uh, we're actually currently doing that, uh, and we've been doing it quietly. Um, but uh, but in, in Asia, in particular, where we started this, uh, now the majority of Tesla cars are sold with an insurance product that is customized to Tesla uh, that uh, takes into account not only this autopilot safety features, but also uh, also the the, uh, the maintenance cost of the car. So uh, it's our vision in the future that we'll be able to offer a single price for the car, maintenance and insurance, and a really compelling offering for the consumer. And we're currently doing that today. Yeah, and and, and this is not the exclusion of, uh, of insurance providers, but um, I mean, if we, if we find that the insurance providers are are not matching the insurance proportion to the risk of the car, then uh, you know, if we need to, we will we will insource it. But uh, I, th- I think we'll find that insurance providers uh, do do adjust the insurance cost um, proportionate to the the risk of, of a Tesla. And that's true. That's true. We're doing this with uh, with insurance partners today. Right. Now th- this is a typical Elon Muskian kind of response to a problem. If I've ever heard one from from covering this guy long enough, it's you you, see, you can start to see the patterns, and it's that 
If there is a need and the market isn't addressing it, Elon and Tesla will address it themselves. I mean, that's what we've seen them do that time and again. Now, I, for one, would absolutely trust, and in fact, I would prefer to have my Tesla insured by Tesla itself. Because, as I've said a million times, for me, Tesla has earned that goodwill and that trust. And I, I suspect many of you feel the same way. Not that we necessarily have any uh, active beef with our current insurance companies, but you know, not that they've, but it's also, they, we probably also wouldn't say we trust them implicitly the way I certainly do Elon Musk and I would, I would trust Tesla to, to uh, take the best care of, of me via insurance on my vehicle. So we'll see. I, I wonder how that's going to potentially expand and uh, grow over time into other territories such as we'll see if one, maybe one day they, they come into America. Now, <laughs> Tesla is already aggravated other auto manufacturers, both uh, domestically and abroad, and they've certainly angered the heck out of the dealers' associations in America. <laughs> I have to imagine that if they ever decided to try and sell insurance on Teslas, and they're at a point where they're selling, uh, you know, maybe a million units or more per year, so it's nothing to sneeze at, that the current insurance companies would probably try to battle them every step of the way, whether it's the, the Geico's, the State Farms, the Nationwide's, uh, the Farmers, etc. of the world, they would probably not be too thrilled about Tesla coming in and stealing uh, a, you know, a, the business of, of a whole bunch of customers. Next here is uh, the Tesla executive team talking about how the Model 3 is designed for manufacturing now, we've heard this before, but there are a couple of interesting details here that we haven't heard that are worth listening for. So take a listen to this. The Model 3 is designed with, is really designed for manufacturing. Um, it, it's considerably a simpler car than the S or the X. Um, you know, some of these simplifications are obvious. Um, for example, the Model 3 only has uh, one screen. Uh, whereas the S and X have uh, two screens and two separate computers powering each screen. The uh, Model 3 has one and a half kilometers of wiring. The Model S has three kilometers of wiring, so we simplified the wiring uh, system considerably. Uh, the, you know, the, um, you know the, a lot of the bells and whistles that are present on an S and X are not present on a Model 3. So we don't have self-presenting door handles, for example, or falconing doors. Uh, these uh, reduce the risk substantially um, in, in, um, in, in the ramp and make it just easier to, to scale. Um, so I think it's going to be a very compelling car, but it, it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a simpler design. And we also understand manufacturing a lot better than we did in the past. Uh, and we, we're also able to get usually the A team at the A supplier for, um, for Model 3. So it's rare that we're not able to get that. Whereas for S, and, particularly for S, and to some degree for, for, for X, um, and when we were trying to get suppliers for, for Model S, a lot of the top-tier suppliers wouldn't even work with us. and believe the car, but the... That they thought we'd go bankrupt, um, and uh, the um, IHS, I think it's called, um, 
Like basically, the main industry predictor for volume of the Model S um, predicted had an official prediction of 3,000 units lifetime for the Model S. And for a lot of the big supplier, particularly the, the large sort of conglomerate suppliers, they just plug that number into into their um, predictions. They, they ignore what we say, and and then they say, well, the volume is either too small to count or the hard cost is enormous because the fixed cost must be allocated over such a small volume. Um, now, in fact, we're we we building something on the order of 50,000 Model S's per year. Um, and um, so having you know, shown the results of the S and the X, the, the interest from suppliers, um, we went from basically getting like the worst team on second tier suppliers um, to getting the best team on, on first tier suppliers. It's really a big difference. So did you catch the key statement there? The key statement I feel is only one screen. And that, that's referring, uh, no doubt, to that big landscape-oriented center screen. So that means whatever the final interior is going to look like on Model 3, and we've been told it's going to be different, we've been told it's that the spaceship-like controls, it appears that Model 3 will not have an instrument cluster screen after all. To be fair, this isn't exactly news. Elon said this a long time ago. Uh, in fact, I think it might have even been before the Model 3 reveal, if memory serves. He'd sort of thrown it out and, as a nugget at some point. And uh, he's only saying it again here. Now, some folks might want to take that as a hint that there is definitely going to be a heads-up display. I don't think you can read into it quite that far. I mean, he's really only saying that there's one screen, and that probably means your speed is most likely going to be displayed in the upper left corner of that landscape-oriented screen, so it won't actually be too far from your eyes. But it definitely leaves the door open for a HUD, as certainly many of us, including myself, have predicted and are hoping for some cool HUD technology. I, again, I, I do still think it's going to happen, but I don't think this is any uh, real revelation per se, but uh, interesting to sort of have that as absolute confirmed on Model 3. No, no second screen, no screen behind that, uh, that instrument cluster. Uh, this here, this is Jason. Uh, well, Elon and then Jason, listen for the quote Jason uh, mentions about the pain of the Model X. Uh, and let's let's talk about that in a minute here. First, here's the quote. Yeah. So, uh, also, uh, I've refocused most of Tesla engineering, including design engineering, into designing the factory. Um, the, the, I think in in the future, the factory will be uh, a more important product than the the car itself. Um, I've said this before, but. We're, our goal is to be the best manufacturer on it. This is a, a real goal. Um, yeah, I don't know if we'll succeed, but I think uh, we're making good progress in that direction. Um, and, and that's, yeah, it, it's, it's really, the, you want to need to think of the factory as just an enormous product with um, 
at least mm-hmm. two orders of magnitude more complex than, the, than whatever it makes. Dave, is there anything you want to add? Yeah, I, I might just add that um, you know, we've we really learned a lot of lessons, especially from the difficult Model X ramp. You know, that's something that's in our recent memory, and um, we fought through it and succeeded. But I, I think in the design of the Model 3 and the systems and the lines that produce it, you know, many of those learnings have been incorporated from the beginning. So the, the amount of complexity in the operations to assemble the car is dramatically reduced. Um, the amount of operations that involve some level of sort of you know, assembly craft, um, you know, where where there's more judgment of the, the operator, um, is, is dramatically reduced, almost eliminated. And a lot of these things that we could identify directly as the bottlenecks that, that hurt us on the X ramp, we've been able to target specifically and, and reduce or eliminate. So that, that has so painful, it was a very helpful experience for us to get ready for Model 3. So this is another example of Model S and Model X customers paving the way for Model 3. Yeah, I wonder if in time, and, and with a bit more hindsight than, than what may be available now, I wonder if the, the challenges of the Model X and all the frustrations and all the delays that they experienced, and unfortunately that customers also experience as well, but I, I do wonder if one day it's going to be looked back on as, as one of the best things to ever happen to Tesla in the long term, because that's, I mean, that right there, I mean, yeah, you could reach the, that conclusion yourself, but to hear the Tesla executive team actually acknowledge, hey, we learned some major lessons from the Model X and applied those lessons directly to the Model 3, you know, that means this key car, this the Model 3, which is, there, there are over, there are at least, you know, 400,000 reservations, possibly a lot more. We'll talk about that later on in this podcast. That the, the, this process will will go better than it would have had the Model X never existed. I'm not I'm not saying for a second that there will be no problems and then everything's going to be buttery smooth uh, with Model Three production, but it's no doubt better than it would have been had Tesla never built the Model X. So uh, I thought that's uh, that was a, a really I, I feel like that's a quote that we should bookmark for five to ten years from now and revisit it and see how true it ends up being. Here now is Elon talking about the transition from the Mobileye autopilot technology, the, all the, the hardware that Mobileye provided, over to Tesla Vision, their in-house solution. You know, Elon had, had previously... Uh, seemed not too thrilled about how everything went down. I, I, pl- I think I played you that clip when it happened. But here he is again addressing it. You can hear, again, I f- you can really hear the frustration in his voice. And this, this clip's also got a nice new update on some new features on, on hardware to cars, the autopilot features uh, that are currently evolving on the newer hardware to cars. So listen to this. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we, we had those. Some, some challenges in the transition from Mobileye to um, t- Tesla software uh, running on uh, GPU. Um, the our original plan was to have a my, migration strategy where we have Mobileye and our and, and Tesla Vision operating at the same time to have a kind of a smooth process. But um, 
OBI uh, did not uh, refuse to do that, so that forced us to respin the board uh, and caused unexpected uh, delays where we had to basically delete that trip from the board um, and just get a, uh, get a cross the Rubicon um, on television. Um, SA safety is always our primary concern, so um, you know, we really we could have released uh, Tesla Vision, um, and including auto steer at uh, at high speed, uh, probably three months ago. I, I was driving it at high speed personally uh, three months ago, but uh, I think we want to uh, just have an exhaustive testing process, vetting process before um, enabling that uh, throughout the fleet. So we've we've been edging our way up there gradually uh, now. Um, uh, longitudinal control or traffic aware cruise control is at 80 miles an hour and water steers at 50 miles an hour and uh, I think we should be able to get uh, you know both um, at least the car you know this testing shows something different we should be able to get them both to um, around the uh, maybe 85 miles an hour next month um, and and be at uh, parity with uh, hardware one that that's and then obviously things will will only improve from there. So hardware two enabled cars can now parallel park themselves as well. That actually that update was pushed out in the time between the in this analyst call and when I recorded. So that's that's new. So if you if you have a hardware two enabled Tesla, be just keep a keep a close eye on on your next update because that will enable your car to now parallel park itself, which is awesome. Bringing it again closer to parity with hardware one and it's just you know what 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 they talked about with the auto steer on the call there up to 85 miles an hour it's just more progress for for you hardware two folks which is great news and and again you heard it elon shedding a, a bit more light onto the the mobile divorce there i mean you can just you can hear that he was not happy at all about how that whole thing went down here now, uh, this, uh, this is a big big topic. I talked a lot about this last week. So here's Elon speaking about the unionization situation that's currently playing out in Fremont. Uh, I talked a lot about this last week, but here you can, uh, you can hear Elon address it in his own words. There, there is obviously quite a strong effort by the UAW to unionize uh, Tesla. Uh, and... Um, I've actually gotten a lot, a, lot of, a lot of people at Tesla who have been approached by UW have expressed concerns about this. Um, I, I, and there were also a number of claims made by someone who I think is de facto an employee of the UAW, uh, but at Tesla. And uh, uh, there's a blog piece I'm probably going to publish next uh, day or two because I wanted to make sure I fully investigated the claims before writing a blog piece. Um, but, uh, you know, the the, the, the fact matters over the last few months, uh, Tesla's um, injury rate is less than half of the industry average, a contrary to allegations made. Um, and the compensation, if you look at somebody who started four years ago, the, the vesting period for Tesla stock is four years. So if you said, if you said, what is the outcome for somebody who started four years ago, is is by far the highest in the order industry. Um, the there was an allegation that people are underpaid at Tesla, but in fact they are the highest paid in the industry. 
um, if you include the equity, which obviously you should include. Um, so the, there, are, there are really only disadvantages for, for someone to uh, say that to, to, to want the UAW here. I mean, the track record is worse than every other company. Okay. I, I, I don't this is likely to occur. Okay, thank you. So there you heard Elon speak about it. And then the next day, uh, Elon Musk sent out a letter to all Tesla employees, which leaked. Uh, this comes via Electric. I'm not going to read you the entire thing. It's a long letter and it addresses the safety issues, the compensation issues, but just a couple of, of key excerpts here. Here's Elon saying, the forces arrayed against us are many and incredibly powerful. This is David versus Goliath if David were six inches tall. Only by being smarter, faster, and working well as a tightly integrated team do we have any chance of success. We should never forget the history of car startups originating in the United States. Dozens have gone bankrupt, and only two, Tesla and Ford, have not. So, I have to say, I'm really glad that Elon still keeps that perspective in mind, as we all should. I mean, all of us that are fans and enthusiasts and, and Tesla owners, it's important to remember that because, you know, it, it is the, the odds of Tesla having gotten this far are about a million to one. I mean, it's, you know, nobody, nobody's made it this far. Again, as he says, other than Ford 100 years ago. You know, Tesla is a real company, and they're not going away, but they haven't, quote-unquote, won yet. They're still under threat from so many angles, as Elon himself notes, you know, the the dealership, the state-by-state -state dealer battles that they're, you know, you got Connecticut going on now, they just went through, they just sort of got reached a compromise in Indiana, they've still got Michigan, the, these various places, it's, it's just one fight after the next, and, you know, the road ahead... Just it remains a difficult one for Tesla, and, and it's. I love that. I just I don't know. I guess I'm reassured that Elon hasn't taken the success they've had for granted. That he actually is keeping that historical perspective in mind. Of hey, this isn't over. We're you know we're still a long way from from the finish line, and he's reminding all the employees of that here as well. Here's another little excerpt from that company letter from Elon. Reducing excess overtime and improving safety are extremely important. This is why we hired thousands of additional team members to create a third shift, which has reduced the burden on everyone. The net result is that since January 1st, our total recordable incident rate is under 3.3, which is less than half the industry average of 6.7. So uh, that's good news there, but really, boy, the takeaway from that, that is a lot of new jobs. That is wonderful for California, for Fremont, uh, it's, it's, and it's great for Tesla to be able to continue to grow like that. Uh, he mentions, I, I think it was elsewhere in the letter, and I, I hadn't, uh, I don't believe I've read it yet, that there are over 30,000 employees worldwide now, which is just crazy. I mean, it feels like they were just at 10,000 a, a year or two ago, not long ago at all. So glad to see Tesla continuing to grow and improve, and, uh, and as Elon notes, they have a safer and safer work environment. Just one other excerpt from this email, this letter to the company that I wanted to read, and that's this. As we get closer to being a profitable company, 
we will be able to afford more and more fun things. For example, as I mentioned at the last company talk, we're going to hold a really amazing party once model, uh, pardon me, once model three reaches volume production later this year. There will also be little things that come along, like free frozen yogurt stands scattered around the factory, and my personal favorite, a Tesla electric pod car roller coaster with an optional loop the loop route, of course, exclamation mark, that will allow fast and fun travel throughout our Fremont campus, dipping in and out of the factory and connecting all the parking lots. It's going to get crazy good, smiley face. Thanks again for all your effort, and I look forward to working alongside you to create an amazing future. I don't even know where to start with that. I mean, normally you would have to, you dismiss that of, oh, well, he's just, he's exaggerating and okay, cool, the Froyo stand, but uh, what, uh, he's just, he's just joshing. He's just kidding around about the, the electric pod coaster. No, no. What we've learned from Elon Musk is when he is involved, you have to take him at his word. You must take him seriously. So it looks like <laughs> there's going to be a roller coaster of sorts added in Fremont to help employees get around the factory, which is amazing. That makes me want to work there. That makes me, I mean, why, why wouldn't you want to work? I mean, how cool is that? That's so cool. I, I can, uh, I'm sure there'll be some sort of waiver or something that you have to, you have to sign in order to, uh, to ride it. I don't know, you maybe scan your badge or something as, as sort of an acknowledgement that, hey, I'm, I'm waving my rights as I get on this thing, but that's incredible. Who thinks of that? Elon Musk thinks of that. All right, uh, back to the conference call now. Here is Elon commenting. This is, you know, this is a, a very, very hot topic on this podcast. I get calls about this a lot in the Ride the Lightning hotline, which, by the way, uh, I am in need of some more calls was, uh, I think a lot of people might have been on winter break this week because, number one, there was no traffic in San Francisco. Number two, uh, my wife and daughter were away at, at, in Tahoe with, with her uh, with in-laws. So I think a lot of people might have been out this week. Only got a couple of calls, which we'll play later. So uh, do call in to the Ride the Lightning hotline with your Tesla discussion topics and questions. But anyway... Uh, I do get this question and topic a lot in the Ride the Lightning hotline, and that's the tax credit. People want to know, am I going to qualify, or or rather, is that $7,500 federal tax credit still going to be there when I get my car? And of course, the answer is, we don't know, but uh, here's Elon addressing it specifically. Now, this isn't isn't a hyper-detailed response, but it is Elon commenting on it, so I wanted to make sure to play this for everyone. And he also comments on the California situation with California's $2,500 state tax credit. Uh, Elon is not happy about the changes to that program that happened about a year, six months, no, six months or to a year ago or so. So uh, here's Elon Musk. The, the federal tax credit for electric vehicles um, caps out at, I think, a few hundred thousand cars um, we're not far from that that point. So the the, the like basically credits either don't scale to the high volume or they're disadvantageous to Tesla. Yeah. Even in California, which is my home state, the California legislature put a, an income cap on anyone who could 
get a, the California tax credit for EVs, which then excluded a whole bunch of our customers, which I think is counterproductive to, account to the biggest manufacturing employer in California. Why the hell the legislature did that, I do not know. It, it was harmful to the state. This is the second time that Elon has expressed frustration with California's revision of the state EV tax credit program. Now, I'm on the record from last time he brought this up as disagreeing with Elon. I do disagree with Elon on this. Uh, to me, an income cap, which is what California in instituted on this, a household income cap, for me, it's such that uh, it's highly, because it's something like, it's a lot of money. I forget exactly what it was. It's uh, 400,000 household, maybe more. Uh, it's high, To me, it's, in my opinion, it's highly unlikely to deter any owners who now no longer qualify and thus are making more money than, than that uh, because they can afford it. If they want a Tesla, I, I, their income is such that, that the loss of that $2,500 credit is unlikely to deter them. And that cap leaves more of that pool of state money to go to, to less affluent households who can use it to buy a Model 3 that maybe they might not quite otherwise would have been able to afford, or it tips them towards a Model 3 versus a, gas a comparably priced gas-powered car, and thus puts an EV on the road uh, where there might not have been one, and which, of course, helps fulfill Elon's mission. So I, I actually don't understand Elon's frustration here. I mean, I understand it on the sort of surface level, but I, I don't get how he... Uh, he doesn't seem, he doesn't, he hasn't a, a, addressed what I said, uh, not, not to me personally, obviously, but, but I would think he would get that, that he would see that, oh, okay, well, that's, that just is going to uh, help the, the lower income household, not lower income, but just, you know, less affluent households uh, get electric cars where they might not have been able to get one. Now, of course, at the beginning of that, Elon also noted that they're getting close to the beginning of the $7,500 federal tax credit phase-out. He said they're getting close. Now, as has been discussed a lot since the Model 3 reveal, it's likely to be there for the early Model 3 folks, but how many more after that remains to be seen? Now, do remember, it's a, there's a, uh, two, a two-quarter grace period. So if they hit it, if they hit 200,000 cars sold total as they're you know, starting to approach, let's say they do that uh, at, just, for, just for a clean example's sake, on December 31st of this year, if they roll out their 200,000th car ever for the American market, this does not apply. Uh, global cars that go to other markets don't count. This is cars sold in the United States. So 200,000th U.S. car on December 31st. They get two full quarters after that to, uh, for people to be able to claim the full $7,500 tax credit if they're eligible. Uh, and then there is a two-quarter phase-out where it's, it'll, it's a 50% credit, so $3,750. So if they can line it up right, uh, line it up well, I should say, there is a chance where they could have up to like two full quarters of uh, of that tax credit, which if they hit their run rate, their targeted run rate of about f of five thousand cars 
per week, and that's just Model 3s. That's not even S's. They could still, we're talking, that could be 100,000 Model 3s or more that get the full $7,500 tax credit. Now, that's not everyone. There, you know, there are 400 plus thousand people on the reservation list now, but uh, it would that that at least would represent a decent chunk of them to to have a shot at that tax credit. So again, always keeping an eye on this. Uh, I'll be reporting any updates that that we get sort of officially as far as car ca- uh, you know cars sold from Tesla in the in the you know official numbers and. Uh, when that tax credit's coming, so we shall see. Now here is uh, here's Jason and Elon. They're asked directly, "What is the reservation count right now for Model Three? And because we know we haven't had an update to that number since right after the reveal event, so it's been almost a year since uh, since we've had an update to that number. And here is uh, Elon and Jason's response to that direct question. Okay. And can you give any size of the, the order book for the Model 3 as it stands right now? Uh, we're still in great shape. Okay. Yeah. We, we, we don't report that number because people read too much into it. Um, let, let, yeah. So if that, as Jason's saying, like, that, is, that is really not, a, not, not our concern. Um, it, but, yeah. We anti-sell the Model 3. We don't want to make a line longer. Yeah, that's okay. the point. <laughs> so this is interesting. They, they basically seem like they just don't want to cannibalize S sales, which I don't blame them for. Well, I mean, hold this thought. We're going to talk a little bit more about the, the reservation number uh, a little later on in the Ride the Lightning hotline. So hold that thought. We'll come back to it. Uh, just to, let's see, still got a good handful of, of quotes. Again, it was a busy call here for Elon. Here is Elon commenting on the the idea or answering the question, will the Model 3 be profitable on day one? Uh, And as you might expect, on day one, not so much. And then Elon gives a projection, a goal for what they want the production rate to look like on Model 3 for the rest of 2017. Well, 100% it will not be profitable on day one um, because of that exponential uh, issue that I mentioned. Um, the the only Model 3s will be like ter- horribly negative margin, particularly on day one. Literally, when I say literally day one, um, because you're starting at a, at a tiny, tiny rate as you scroll up this giant machine. Um, so, so it's just it's it, like no company on earth could. This is not a function of Tesla. It's just like physically impossible. Um, so. Um, you have to you have to get the production rate to some reasonable uh, capacity percentage of of the system. Uh, uh, you know, so if, if 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 the capacity of the production system is is X, until you're at least like half X, your um, gross margin is going to be weak, um, and it's going to be terrible when you're like an order of magnitude below, or you know, if you're ten percent of of X, <laughs> like or less, it's going to be terrible. So, um, but but then it'll it'll get really good as you uh, pre, as you start to approach hundred percent capacity. Like then it gets great. That's and then yeah, so as we get to the initial phase of of capacity of five thousand a week, 
um, I would expect to see gross margins comparable to that of the SNX. So, and that's next year that you should get to the 5,000 per week, is that right? Well, I, I, I'm, you know, um, I feel pretty confident that we should get there by the end of this year to 5,000 a week. Um, the, now, I do want to uh, separate this from hard supporters. Um, uh, I, know, I, I know a number of our suppliers are listening. <laughs> it's impossible to keep it. I mean, like nothing is a secret these days, it seems. Um, you know, it's like it, it, major intelligence organizations cannot keep a secret. It's like really, I don't know who can, honestly. Um, so, uh, so you know, when we've placed parts orders with our suppliers, uh, you know, we've told them a, a thousand a week in July, two thousand a week in August, and four thousand a week in September. But these, these are parts orders. Then the parts need to arrive. They need to be turned into a car, um, and and a car needs to be delivered to customers. None of these things occur instantaneously. So, um, and 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 we have what I call like maybe the the, the term paper problem of like uh, I was teaching assistant in college, um, and um, no matter what date we set the exam paper for, <laughs> they were, you know when the term paper was due, <laughs> it's there's always like some number of people that are late. Um, the way it goes, uh, uh, you know, people sometimes, well, and, and I'm guilty of this too, like too optimistic about the timing or they get unlucky or something like that. So, so we, we, we have to set these really strict dates. Um, then some number of people are late, um, but it, can only, it only has to be 1%. Um, and then uh, we either have to make those parts manually at, at great cost or uh, slow down the production rate. Um, and when I say great cost, when you make something manually as opposed to through mass production, it can be 10, 20, 30 times more than a, than a part that's made, that's handmade as opposed to made uh, with high volume production equipment. Um, so so that, that's, that's essentially, I'm trying to give you like what's the, What's the problem space look like in my head so that you can at least try to model it? I mean, you know what I know. Um, and if I knew which 1% of suppliers it was right now, I would, I would obviously take action. But I don't because, you know, I don't know who's going to be unlucky. I don't know who's, you know, being overly optimistic. Um, but, but that's the 1,000, 2,000, 4,000, those are the... Um, deadlines we set out for our uh, suppliers for parts delivery. Then parts get made into cars. Cars need to get delivered. Those are another three separate steps. I know that everything's been on schedule so far, but I would personally expect this to slip. If it doesn't, great. But Elon himself on the call. Uh, said that you can model all the things you want. You, you can do all the modeling you want as far as uh, trying to figure out how everything is going to go. But things happen once you actually start making cars. But even by this schedule that Elon lays out, I would expect at least the first two months of production to be for employee cars. And that's going to make sense here uh, in just one minute. In fact, it'll make sense after this clip right here. 
probably going to be pretty close to production. Um, but we'll open it internally because you know because sort of the first cars will go to to Tesla employees uh, uh, and um, some investors and whatnot and so forth. So that um, you know. It's, so, so we, we can experience any any challenges before cu customers do. Um, so we'll obviously do it internally uh, sooner than we would do it externally. So I, I think it's probably three or four months away. So they said there that they're going to wait until pretty close to production to open the design studio and that the first cars are going to go to employees. And it's, we're looking at about three to four months until configuration begins. Here's the good news. That configuration, that design studio, the details of it, that is going to leak online, even if Tesla doesn't want it to. Uh, earlier in the call, Elon himself had said, nobody can keep a secret anymore, not even uh, intelligence agencies. So obviously, I will be bringing you that info as soon as humanly possible. Because, you know, it's that's the last piece of the puzzle for many of us, you know, many of us know, you know, we know what if we want the smaller battery or the bigger battery. We know if we want performance. We know if we want all-wheel drive. We know if we want a panoramic roof or a glass roof or a body roof. We know what generally what color we like. But the actual price of it all and the specific packages, I mean, that that is the last piece of the puzzle. And And by the way, this pattern of waiting until very close to production to open the design studio, that totally follows Model X. That's how it went for X. The design studio didn't open for X until just before the start of production. Here uh, is, is more detail on uh, when we'll see the car again. In other words, reveal part three, I think. And it is apparently not happening in the next month or so, like Elon had originally said about two months back. So take a listen to this. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if, we, if it's going to make sense for us to show the final version before start production or after. The, the, the initial cars uh, are going, a sort of founder series, uh, actually go to uh, uh, company employees because I think it's important for us to have a good feedback loop on the product that we're making um, and and uh, you know if there are any uh, issues or you know bugs or things that need to be addressed that that we can address those before um, customers experience them. Um, so I think you know in terms of showing the final version, it's probably at least a few months away, maybe but maybe as far as as July itself. Um, it's going to be pretty close to what I showed at the Model 3 uh, unveiling, um, but with more polish and refinement and, um, and, and a few more details that, that, are, that are added. So it'll, it'll be you know, better than, better than what uh, was, was unveiled. And, um, I guess in some ways it'll be a lot better. So it sounds like employees will be getting their cars first. Now, we know they had dibs on reservations. Uh, the, the, the reservations were open about uh, a week. That's right. It was, it was about a week beforehand, uh, prior to March 31st, that, that employees could put their reservations in. 
but uh, they won't just be starting with employees because that's you know we weren't sure how the whole priority thing was going to go, and we still don't know. You know, the whole employee, existing owner, West Coast. We don't know what factors weigh more heavily than others, except at least we know now that the employee factor will weigh very, very, very heavily in your favor, such that just based on what Elon said there, now I am speculating on this, but it, it sounds like it might be that even employees who order the base model car might get theirs before any, uh, general public customer. So they're, because, you know, we thought, well, is it just going to be employees that want the performance model are going to get theirs first because Elon said the higher spec cars will deliver first. And this sounds like, no, they're, they are using the employees as beta testers and they're going to keep those cars, they are going to produce cars for employees that will, uh, that will not necessarily be a hundred percent final. Pardon me. So, uh, if you are a Tesla employee, this is some really cool news because you will, it seems, be the first on your block to have a Model Three. Also, you know, I touched on this a second ago, but Elon didn't outright say that reveal part three wouldn't be in March or April, but that is what his statement seems to suggest there, and. I guess it kind of makes sense because they probably don't want to show the finished refined car just yet because if they did, it would only drive more reservations, which they made very clear they don't actually want right now. So uh, looks like Reveal Part 3 is pushed back to the summertime. Let's see, just a, a few more choice quotes from Elon. This one is uh, Elon talking about the average pack size that he expects out of Model 3 because he was asked the question regarding uh, the Gigafactory's output and how many cars the Gigafactory can handle as far as battery production. And, and Elon then used the example of, well, if an average average car is this, is this many kilowatts, then that's how many cars Gigafactory 1 can handle. So take a listen to this. Yeah, so the, the, depending on what you assume the average pack size is, but if you, if you say it's somewhere around the 60 to 70 kilowatt hour level, um, then you need uh, you know, 70 uh, gigawatt hours um, to get to a million units. Um, and we, we think that's at the cell level. Um, and then we, we think the, the giga, current gigafactory should actually be able to do you know, in excess of 100 gigawatt hours. Uh, so that that leaves you know probably a big gigafactory one can uh, manage. It can can support it can support on the order probably a million vehicles a year, uh, plus maybe something like uh, uh, 30 gigawatt hours or so of storage. Depending upon you know, how, how fast the storage market grows, but we we think the storage market is probably going to grow maybe twice the rate of the automotive business, something like that. Okay, so are, are you still on on track? Uh, do you believe for a million million vehicles in 2020 and 500,000 in 2018? 
And then, you know, as a quick follow-up to Model 3, you had, you had previously talked about 20% gross margin on that. Um, when do you think uh, that margin target will be able to be achieved? Um, yes, I, 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 I currently think that we should be able to do half a million vehicles next year and um, a million vehicles by 2020. Um, you know, that's, that's yeah, half a million vehicles. Half a million vehicles in total, you know, S3 and X combined next year should, uh, I currently, you know, as far as I, the information I have at my disposal right now, I, I believe that that is um, the most likely outcome. Um, and then uh, with a couple more years, uh, getting to a million units, that seems also um, the most likely outcome. So Elon is saying that the average pack size, average pack size will be 60 to 70 kilowatt hours, meaning it would seem that some people will buy a smaller pack, probably a 55 kilowatt hour, maybe 50, and that uh, probably 55, and that others, you would think if it's average, will buy bigger packs, such as perhaps the 85 kilowatt hour pack that I predicted, that I that I took my uh, best guess at. I I don't think that the, you remember I talked about the 70 kilowatt hour pack that Electrek scooped, that they, there was, they were testing a Model 3 with a 70 kilowatt pack in it. And Electrek seemed to think that that was gonna be the biggest pack size. And I just, I don't think so in light of, I didn't think so then, and now, and I really don't think so now, not if Elon is saying that 60 to 70 kilowatt hours will be the average, because that means there will be smaller, but that means there are gonna be bigger ones too. 60 to 70 is an average means it can't, 70 can't be the top end, I don't think. So uh, I do expect a, a pack that's larger than 70 kilowatt hours, so probably 80, maybe, you know, 80, 85. Next here, uh, this was an interesting comment from Elon talking about the challenges of scaling up and how you deliver so many more cars given, you know, we heard earlier, they're looking to, to crank out 5,000 cars a week, possibly by the end of the year, when they're only doing 2,000 now on the SNX. So uh, take a listen to this. The delivery of the cars, that's where the investment is needed. Because um, if you deliver you know, three or four times as many cars, well, we don't want to have three or four times as many delivery centers. So how do we make that delivery process uh, more streamlined, less paperwork, less bureaucracy, uh, you know, get people um, ahead of time, uh, really well-produced instruction videos for how to use their car. Um, although, of course, the best instruction, the best thing is like not having instructions. <laughs> um, and, and you'll actually be able to like play all of the instructions needed for your car on your car. Um, so if you don't want to have any, you can just look at that. You can look at your email or get on the car. Uh, but there's, um, you know, the sales is actually demand generation and then delivery of the car. If that's also part of sales, that's... Well, I'm going to read into this a bit and say that I suspect Elon, and I've had callers, uh, you folks have, have called in and theorized about this too, and we've talked about it, but I think Elon does want to get to a point where your car will be able to deliver itself to you 
and walk you through everything with a presentation on the touchscreen or send ahead of time. You heard him mention, you know, send it ahead of time to your phone or home computer. In other words, one day in the future, maybe the near future, maybe a little further out, who knows, your delivery specialist will in fact be the car itself. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on on that, especially as as level four autonomous driving, as level four comes online. Just the last couple choice quotes here. Uh, here's Elon talking. Just he th- slip this in this little nugget that uh, the drive units, the powertrains rather, in in Teslas have seen a significant design upgrade. And here's what that means. We, we increased the design lifetime of the powertrain um, to you know, for, from roughly a quarter million miles to aspirationally a million miles. Um, so that, that should really help with service. Well, that is, that is more awesome news, especially what makes this extra good is the battery packs have already been showing far less degradation over time and mileage than were originally expected. So that means the battery packs are lasting longer. So if the drivetrains can also last longer, that means that you, will, you could, if you want, have your same Tesla for a long, long time, much longer potentially than your than than the internal combustion engine car that uh, that you may have now. Finally, uh, towards the end of the call, Elon was asked about Gigafactories two through five, uh, or rather three through five. He, he mentions that they consider the Solar City plant in Buffalo, New York, to be Gigafactory two. But uh, Elon, Elon deciding not to, to uh, make too much more news. Here he is uh, talking about, or not talking about, future gigafactories. I think we'll reserve, yeah, keep some powder dry for those announcements later this year. Uh, this probably wasn't enough news for today. Um, and I, and I think, but I think those, those announcements will be really quite exciting later this year. Well, keep lobbying Europe. Uh, I got some tweets from listeners in Portugal to tell me that they're campaigning there. Uh, I love, you know, of course, the Minecraft thing in Lithuania was so great. Just it's, it's yeah, it's good to see, you know, it, what country wouldn't want their want to host a gigafactory? It's it's a it's clean energy. It's the future. It's jobs. It's it's just clean energy, renewable energy manufacturing. It's it's nothing but good stuff and. Uh, We'll have to see what, what Elon does with, uh, with future gigafactories. So just a couple of more quick notes for this week that are not, these are not related to the investor call or to the, the unionization thing that we followed up with there. But uh, listener Norman Gray wrote in to ask me about tires. And it got me curious, uh, Model 3 tires specifically. So... I looked up the tire options again for the Model 3's 20-inch wheels, which are the only ones that we know so far, because that's what was uh, that was what was on the the two prototype cars, at well the three actually the the two prototypes and the rolling mule. So the, you know they they were each had a different wheel style, but they were all 20-inch wheels. Now remember that this could still change. Those were prototypes; they were staggered wheel setup. So it, it could change. They could end up being 
all four identical tires. We don't know. But uh, again, I'll just remind you, because uh, I actually had to go back and remind myself, the sizes on those 20-inch tires, 20-inch wheels for, for uh, Model 3, there are 235 35s in the front and 275 30s in the rear. Now, when I originally did this story, which I looked at was episode 30-something, so it was a while ago now, uh, Tire Rack had pulled up a Michelin Pilot Supersport set for $12.36 plus shipping. They also had a Pirelli P0 set for a bit less at $1,047, but the Pirellis had a significantly lower tread rating than the Michelins, 220 for the Pirellis versus 300 for the Michelins. So when I looked again after getting Norman's email, they now show a new option for a matching front and rear set for the hypothetical Model 3. Well, if, again, if it, hypothetical meaning if it sticks with those same tire sizes. They now show a Continental Extreme Contact Sport tire for $1,044 plus shipping, and the Treadwear rating is even better than the Michelin's, and thus certainly better than the Pirelli's. So for this, basically the, for the same price as the Pirelli's, it has significantly better Treadwear rating of 340 versus 300 on the more expensive Michelin's and 220 on the uh, almost identically priced Pirelli's. So uh, that's good news. So keep your eye on that. Uh, this, now this could change. New tires could come and go. You know, we're only here in February and you know, we're at least six months out from first Model 3 deliveries. And also remember that uh, Hankook may be what we get out of the factory, what may come equipped on the cars out of the factory because they're the official tire supplier. But uh, the Hankooks may only end up being on the smaller tire and wheel option, which I suspect will be either uh, a 17 or 18 inch tire. You know, that, that the larger tire and wheel, uh, the, t- the 20s could, maybe they won't be Hankooks at all. They, maybe they will be Continentals because, uh, or, or Michelins, because that's what Tesla is using now. If you get a Model S with 21s, the, the 21 inch turbines uh, for your wheels, you get Continental Extreme Contacts uh, or Michelin Pilot Super Sports. So uh, again, you know, there's not really much we can do about it now. Uh, I don't recommend buying a set right now, <laughs> just until we know for sure that these are the exact tire sizes that it's going to be. But I just wanted to pass along that that uh, that interesting little updated bit of information. Good news on the tire front if the tires stay at the uh, the, the same size they were on the prototypes. And another good note from a from a fellow listener, Michael Lester, our friend Michael and Milbray, he uh, let me know that this this exists. So this is only for California folks, so I'll make this quick, but I do know there are a lot of listeners to this podcast who live in California. If you're a PG&E customer in California and you have a Tesla now, you are eligible for a $500 credit just because because you have an electric vehicle. All you need is a PG&E account and a VIN number for your car so that they can no doubt check and, and prove it. So 
if you're a Tesla owner in California now, I'm going to just give you the, the website and then the rest of us, Model 3 folks in California, the reservation holders, file this away for later this year. So it's pge.com slash en underscore us slash residential slash solar and vehicles with hyphens between the words slash options slash my gosh this is too long slash clean vehicles with a dash slash elect forget you know what i'm just gonna put it in the show notes this is that is way too long of a url i copy i pasted it in here and uh, didn't realize how long and annoying that was i will put it in the show notes if it is of interest to you All right, I need a breather here, but I'm going to come right back. I've got two excellent phone calls queued up in the Ride the Lightning hotline. Again, could use some more calls this week. If you have a question, discussion topic, you want to react to something in the uh, conference call that Tesla had this week, do give me a ring. I'll give you the information for that right after this. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline. It is the part of the show that belongs to you. You can call in with a question, comment, discussion topic, uh, react to something that I said or that Tesla said on the call or that a fellow listener said here in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. It's a toll-free number you can call anytime, and that number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. Uh, You can also email me your question if you want to just record it into your phone. Email it to teslapodcast at gmail.com. But if uh, uh, I certainly encourage you to use the hotline. It's very nice and easy to do so. And in fact, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. If you're interested, visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's go first to Eric from Ridgecrest, California, who wonders if Tesla's battery savings on their costs at the Gigafactory are going to be passed along to Model S and X customers moving forward. So Eric, you're on the air. Hi Ryan, it's Eric from Ridgecrest, California. There have been reports recently about the Gigafactory reducing costs of new batteries down to around $125 per kilowatt hour. Assuming the stated 35% reduction in battery cost, will Tesla pass that on to the customer for Model S and X, or will they keep the prices the same and increase their profit margin? There have been threads on the Tesla Motor Club forum about this, and consensus seems to be increased profit margin. What are your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you, Eric, I don't think so, and here's why. First, Tesla's a public company who's been working hard for years to try and get to the point where they're profitable. In fact, in that leaked email from Elon to all employees, you heard him mention it. Like, we're almost profitable. We're getting there. We're going to do fun stuff when we do get there. So they've been working hard for years to try and achieve profitability. If they can lower their costs on the most expensive component, that, of course, being the batteries, that means they can make the S and X extremely profitable and help reach that profitability goal on a more consistent quarterly basis. Second, my other reasoning here, the S and the X, quite frankly, I mean, we we know we have the data. They're already doing better, the S in particular. They're already doing better than their class competitors at their current price points. 
The Panamera, Porsche Panamera, got its lunch eaten. The S-Class has had a bite taken out of its meal, too. So, quite frankly, Tesla just doesn't need to pass the savings along to the customer on the S and X because they're appealing enough at their current price points. So I do think that uh, as those gigafactory-fueled reductions in cost uh, make their way to the S and the X with the 2170 uh, cells, I think that Tesla will take the profits, which of course will benefit the overall health of the company and just serve to make Tesla stronger. Thank you for your call, Eric. Our other call this week comes from Bob in Austin, who puts forth a very well-thought-out guess on the number of Model 3 reservations that currently exist. You remember I I alluded to this earlier uh, in the podcast when Elon was asked directly how many reservations there currently are, and he and Jason chose willfully chose not to answer the question uh, and gave a reason. So, Bob, let's hear from you. Hi, Ryan. This is Bob from Austin. After listening to last night's phone call about the quarterly and annual results, I want to take a guess at how many reservations they have for the Model 3. It's only a guess, but they did disclose that they have in the mid-600 million on, in the bank for reservations. Well, if they make about 2,000 S and X's a week, and the average delivery time overseas and so forth is maybe 10 weeks, that would be 20,000 at $2,500 each. That's 50 million. So that's the low 600 millions left over for the Tesla Powerwall. Those reservations are $500 each, and I haven't a clue how many of those exist. But even if 1,000 of them exist, that's $5 million. 10,000 of them exist, it's $50 million. So we're talking a minimum of $550 million or up in reservation deposits for the Model 3, at least by my guess, which would translate to 500,000-plus reservations. Interesting nugget. I hope that's true. I wish them success. Over to you. Your math and logic are perfectly sound, Bob. It would not surprise me if you're correct, if it is 500,000-plus reservations. Now, sure, they've no doubt converted some of those reservations into Model S sales. You know, that's that they had reintroduced the 60-kilowatt-hour car. They introduced the two-year lease option. They were actively trying to do that. They were actively trying to cut the wait list down, to cut the reservation list down and get some of that uh, reservation money converted into what was at the time present-day money in the form of car sales. But I would also bet that those folks who did convert their reservation to a Model S represent a very small percentage of reservations. We knew they were up at about 400,000 or so about a year ago. And in in, in that time, people like us tell our friends and family about the car and about Tesla. And Tesla continues to be in the news on a very, very regular basis. So it's not at all unreasonable for Tesla to have added another 100,000 reservations over the past year without even trying. I suspect that they're going to announce the number, if they ever announce the number, they will do so 
when it makes the most sense to do so for them, which might not be for a while. So here's my thought. If Model 3, if a Reveal Part 3 rolls around in July and they say we've got half a million reservations, they, I, I think they could actually risk that backfiring and that might actually turn people off from reserving because people might say, oh, wow, okay, this car looks cool and oh, oh my goodness, they've got a half million car wait list. I'm never going to get my car. Like, I feel like it might, it might backfire because people might think they'd, they'd be looking at an eternal wait to get a car, and so they, wouldn't, they just wouldn't reserve at all. They'd maybe go look for another car that they won't have to wait for. So it might actually end up being more advantageous for Tesla to keep the number quiet, just like they've been doing so far. We'll see. I, I, I would not be willing to make a lunch bet. On, on them ever announcing a number because I, I, you could totally be right, Bob, and they, they could have that many and they could come out and say it, but I could just as easily see them uh, not ever coming out and saying how many reservations they have. Okay, uh, Eric and Bob, thank you guys so much for the excellent calls this week. Again, the call well is uh, more or less empty other than, uh, than the overflow from previous weeks that goes into the, the monthly patreon exclusive bonus episode so uh, if you'd like to get in on next week's podcast again there's a lot to react to from the uh the investor call from this past week feel free to call in anytime day or night 24 7 and that toll-free number again is 1-888-989-8752 or you can record something into your phone and email me the file teslapodcast at gmail. I will be right back to uh, wrap things up with a couple final thoughts for you right after this. All right, I remind you that if you are considering the purchase of a Tesla vehicle, a Model S or Model X in the immediate future, Get yourself $1,000 off by using this podcast's referral code, which comes from Jeff in California. Just type this into your browser, and it'll take you to the design studio for your $1,000 uh, discount. ts.la slash Jeff2311. That's Jeff spelled J-E-F-F. So you'll get 1000 bucks off your car, and uh, I will get a shot at a free Tesla because first to 20 First to 20 referrals will get themselves a free Tesla, and you just never know, right? You never know. I'm lucky. I've got a growing podcast audience, so if enough folks were to use that code to buy a Tesla, you just never know. Uh, the Let's see. The Twitter. That's a place where I am active on a regular basis. If you want to talk Tesla with me there, you can tweet me anytime at DMC underscore Ryan, or you can always email me as well, Tesla Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to Dave T's excellent weekly Tesla newsletter that gets delivered to your mailbox each and every Friday. Sign up for that for free at teslaweekly.com. If you're in the market for some Tesla accessories, either gear for your car if you're an owner or gear for you if you're not, go to abstractocean.com and get yourself 20% off using the coupon code RTL podcast, that's all one word, RTL podcast at checkout. 
Most of you subscribe to the podcast, but uh, if you don't, I recommend doing so. So then it just gets delivered right to you each and every Sunday automatically when the new episodes hit. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, or pick up the RSS feed or individual MP3 downloads at the hosting site, which is teslapodcast.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. I want to thank uh, my Patreon producers. These are the very, very kind folks who support my efforts at the $20 or higher level. Uh, If you would be so kind as to want to support my weekly efforts here, uh, all the work that goes into this, you can take a look on the Patreon page. You can, uh, whatever whatever you feel comfortable with, but uh, take a look. It's patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And uh, let's see, I'm going to read the list backwards so as not to make the, the newer folks at the end of the list feel left out. Kyle Stover is a Patreon producer, as are Robert Maracle, John E. Ford, Michael Lester, Matthew Parra, Logan Willis, Michael O'Prey, Lisa Kaz, David Kittle, Alexi Heft, Michael Lucas, Scott Gillis, John Waltower, Jonathan Wales, Nick Hoffman, David Brander, Z.L. Klein, George Cassiopo, Wolfgang Obergen, Pete White, DJ Harbaugh, Paul Hussey, and Jeff Bartram. Thank you all so much, so, so much for your continued and ongoing support of Ride the Lightning. Uh, That about, yes, that is everything. So uh, for a very soundly snoozing Maggie the Boxer who rests comfortably uh, on the couch next to me, my name is Ryan McCaffrey. Thank you all so much. Uh, I love weeks where we get to play Elon clips because it, it, it almost makes him feel like he's here. <laughs> maybe maybe someday I will I will get to interview him. You never know. But uh, it's uh, it's been another fun week. Happy electric motoring, everybody. And I'll see you, of course, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern time for a brand new episode. See you next time.